Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Welcome. This is Fazia Costi. Welcome to Parenting Pulse. Today we are with Mackenzie Douglas and Dr. Sarah Bald. And welcome, ladies. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, one of the things that I, I talk to a lot of my parents, parents of my students about, is modeling behavior or modeling the correct behavior, basically showing your student, your child, what the best way to behave is or what the best way to handle a situation is. Um, I would love to chat about that today. Um, first, I'd like to ask you guys, how do you, um, so Sarah's pregnant and, and Mackenzie has a young child. So, um, but Sarah, you work with students, you work with clients, you have clients, you have patients, actually. I have, I have students, you have patients. <laughs> well, there's a distinction. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how do you deal with um you know, Mackenzie, let's start with you. How do you deal with modeling behavior for Maddox? What are what are the important things for you to model for him at his age? Because he's still very young. Yeah. So he's 16 months now. Um, and this is something that I've been coming very aware of. Um, they're total sponges. I mean, from the moment they're born, but I didn't really realize how much he would pick up on things that I'm doing. At such an early age, I thought I had at least until like two, maybe, you know, when they're like a little bit more aware (laughs) and talking and everything. But I would say since the time he was 10 months, 12 months is when he would really watch what I'm doing. And obviously he can't do exactly what I'm doing or say the things I'm doing, but you could tell that he was really taking it in and kind of cataloging it for future. Um, And now, especially, I mean, he mimics me so much. And so for me, it's so important to watch how, what I'm saying or watch how I'm holding myself or how, um, I use the tone of my voice, you know, um, you know, I'm have a frustrating moment or anything like that. I really want to make sure that I am handling myself in a way that I want him to respond to things. Um, I want him to, you know, respond with calmness and, you know, have a level head with things and not have a temper. And, and um, so it's really important to take a deep breath and just really make sure that I'm being the best example. Um, It's not easy because, you know, I'm so used to like being on my own and just kind of going about my day and not having to worry about this little mini person you know, watching what I'm doing at all times, but um, it definitely keeps me in check. And I, I like it because it's, it's helping me be a better person as well. Um, so it's, it's a challenge, but it's a good, absolutely a good one. Absolutely. Sarah, how about you? How do you handle it with your, with your clients? You know, with clients, it's, it's client by client basis for sure. Um, I've got this, image that I absolutely love. Um, it floats around Facebook and pops up on the internet every so often, but it's a kid with his mouth open and the parent's hand is reaching through the parent, through the kids, like the back of the head and going out the mouth and pointing. <laughs> it is. It's, it's totally what we say, what we do, our kids do. So sometimes I'll, I'll comment on what do I observe. Um, a lot of my work is working with parents to recognize and to be mindful of their own actions. Because our kids, like we can they're sponges from day one. They just suck everything in. They absorb everything we're giving them. And who we are drives who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think the, um, you know, the basis of every relationship is respect. And so when we're modeling behavior, we have to make sure that children learn respect for themselves as well as for others, as well as, especially for their parents. A lot of times... Uh, children are not very respectful within the family. Um, And sometimes I see the dynamics in the family. It's like that because the parents aren't respectful maybe with each other. Um, Do you ever see that with your, with your clients? 
You do. Um, so we definitely see, you know, kids will, kids will act the way their preferred parent is. And I hate to say kids have a preferred parent. They, of course, don't. There's benefits to every parent. But there's often a preferred parent. And it changes throughout the courses of their life. Um, but they will model what they see. And if I see it's okay to treat a certain parent this way, I'm going to treat that parent that way too. Or I want to be just like, you know, mommy, so I'm going to do exactly what mommy does, things like that. Um, yeah. And if mommy yells at daddy, then it's okay to yell at daddy. Exactly. Yep. And even when we think we're being hushed and quiet about it and we're taking it into a different room, kids pick up on it. Now, I wouldn't say that's true of all kids, so I'll, I'll never forget. I had a <laughs> patient um, in college. We lived in this apartment complex, and there were these two little boys, and they they cracked me up. I will never forget these two little boys. But you could hear Dad yelling. Like, the minute they woke up and it was time for school, like, you could hear Dad's voice in all of our apartments just coming. You could tell exactly what the kids were in trouble for that morning. Um <laughs> I come home from class. So they started off every day in trouble. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I came back from class one day. Two, these two little boys are sitting under our staircase. They lived a few doors down. But we're sitting under our staircase on their iPad, watching video recordings of daddy yelling at them, cracking up, having the time of their life. Just like that, it was the funniest thing. I was like, oh my God, you little rascal, you make your dad mad just for the fun of it. So sometimes oh. we have to consider our kids eliciting things from us just to get certain reactions as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you find that with Maddox as well? A thousand percent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm dealing with that. Um, he likes to throw his food off of his height chair. And he's either trying to see what our dog Peyton will do or what my reaction is. And at first, you know, I like would respond and be like, no, we don't throw food. And I've done some research and it's supposedly you're supposed to just ignore it. But I'm like, it, it <laughs> tests you because it's like, you know, his whole dinner just goes off the, the high chair. And it's like, you don't want to, I'm not going to get mad at him, but I want to teach him like that, you know, we yeah. have some boundaries and things to do. So Supposedly he's supposed to grow out of it. We'll see. But um, <laughs> yes, so always they test the limits and, and they want to know how far they can go. I mean, he's 16 months and he's doing this. I thought I had that coming for me in the teenage years, but it's, it's happening. Enjoy it now. <laughs> right. There's this theory in grad school where I was a philosophy minor. And so there was a theory... There's the theory of tabula rasa. The kids are born a blank slate. I think I said this maybe on one of our previous podcasts too. I don't agree with that. I think kids are inherently a little bit naughty, inherently built to test boundaries, to test limits. They're not blank slates. They are to some degree. So we do teach them when we talk about modeling behaviors. To some degree, they're blank slates. But there's this little bit where they're just built to test boundaries and built oh, yeah. to, to find the limits. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Absolutely. What do you but think, think Kenzie? Yeah, but I think that's like the beauty of being a child. I mean, obviously, if he's safe and, you know, he's he's going to be okay. Like, I kind of want him to test the limits. I want him to, you know, kind of see where the edge is in a safe way. I'm certainly not going to let him, you know, jump off the bookcase or, you know, play with knives or anything like that. But I kind of like that. I want him to be a rebel rouser of some kind. Um you know, I want him to not always just, I want, you know, when he's older and, you know, stuff, I, w I want him yeah. to kind of question authority and um, this will probably come to haunt me, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I don't know. To me, it's kind of, kind of fun and, and something that I do want him to, to possess too, though. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's important to, to push your boundaries. I think it's important to see what you can and cannot do. I think that's part of learning how to be successful in life. I, I think it's really yeah. an important thing to do. And you have to allow your kids to make mistakes in front of you while you yeah. can keep them safe, while you can protect them, help yep. them navigate through the mistakes. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all about absolutely. that. How do, how do you react in that situation? What is your response in that situation? Are you responding in a way that's going to teach them to be a little bit of a rebel, but not disrespectful? Are you teaching them that they can't push the limits and it's not okay and they need to be do what they're told at all times? Or are you just putting the boundaries out, out the window? Yeah. yeah I think there's definitely... A huge range there. I mean, there's a huge range. So, which is really what makes our society so interesting because everyone parents so differently, which, which brings me back to, you know, why it's so important to model appropriate behavior, because as a society, there are certain behaviors that we collectively agree upon, sort of like no stealing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, there's a few that we collectively agree upon. Not everyone participates, but yeah. we all pretty yeah. much agree. <laughs> it's not yes. okay to steal or it's not okay to kill somebody. It's not, you know, there's certain things we, we kind of collectively, collectively agree upon. And I think it's really important to model those behaviors. And then, the, and then that's where the, you know, individuality comes into play. And, and, but it's, it's still important to model certain behaviors to your children so that they have the most level of success in their life. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think a lot of that just really revolves around respecting your child. And, and if you treat your child with the respect that they deserve, then hopefully in return, you'll get that respect back. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> Sarah's kind of going, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Sarah? You have to remember what I do, though. So I see. I, 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 oh, I know. Sarah. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. I joke with parents. Like everything I've told you is going to come back to bite me in the butt. Just like Mackenzie said earlier, like I've talked research up until this point. Like I had to go through, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer, like had to go through and do the career thing, but everything's going to come back and bite me. But I see, I see a very niche population. So for the most part, absolutely. Yes. But we just have to think of when is there other concerns too? <laughs> that's where, that's where my face was, was sometimes, that's not always true because we're dealing with some sort of disability, but nine times out of 10. So how, let's talk about that for a minute. How would that differ if somebody had uh, some kind of a disability? How, how, would, how would modeling behavior change for a parent of a, a typical child versus uh, a child who has a disability? I think for, for our kids with disabilities, so there'd be developmental delays, learning disabilities, ADHD, where they're just not paying attention to our otherwise perfect modeling. Um, <laughs> kids we are all perfect at that point, right? <laughs> We're all perfect parents. All perfect parents. Um, kids need instruction. There are some kids who flat out need to be told, this is what you do. This is how we do it. Um, and then you have to be responsible and, and be prepared for the fallout when you don't do what you've instructed them to do. They're totally going to call you out on it. Um, but a lot of kids do. They need some more direct instruction and they need it repeated and they need to practice it a few times before they've got it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find that there is a huge range with everything in life, but there are certain things that... <clears throat> you know, most societies can agree upon that are appropriate to model for your child. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, we, we model certain behaviors like, you know, don't be late to work or, you know, um, maybe you don't steal from somebody, but certain behaviors maybe range from family to family, like modeling the behavior of we all eat dinner together every night. I don't know very many families that do that anymore. And, and, I, and I, I think they should, that's just my personal opinion, but they don't. And I find that a lot of families um, struggle with that. They, they have different diets, different times that they eat, different schedules, so it doesn't work for them. But I think there's certain things that you still have to model um, for your children so that they can be the most successful in their lives. Um, what are some behaviors that, um, Mackenzie, what are some behaviors that you see um, yourself modeling in the near future? Are there certain things that you see in different stages of Maddox's life that you want to model? 
Yeah. I mean, you brought up family dinners. That's something that's so important to Ryan and I. And so we have always, ever since Maddox was born, sat down for dinner together and include him in that. We think that that's something that's so important. And I know as he gets older, that's not always going to be perfect every single night of the week. Um, But that's something that's really important to us to come together as a family and have those conversations about our day and, you know, maybe just be there to lean on each other if had a rough day or, you know, whatever that conversation may look like. Um, I think positive self-talk is really important too. Um, like how we talk about ourselves, um, you know, how we respond to certain situations. I think that is really important um, to model really good behavior. Um, even like, Maddox like is at the stage where he likes to look at himself in the mirror and kiss himself and I just really want him to nurture that and like love himself and and even though he's a boy I want him to still have that you know that that spark about him you know with boys it's all rough and tough and you know I I really want him to still have that sweet soft side to him so I really want to nurture that and and model that behavior and so that's like something I really would love my husband to be aware of and, you know, taking care of himself. And, and, um, and I also, there was um, something floating around the internet of like this, I think he was like a five-year-old boy took his mom out for a date and his dad gave him money to pay for the date. And he like opened the car door for his mom and would open the doors and stuff like that chivalry kind of thing. Yeah. um, I really want to do that with Maddox, go on dates with him and teach him, you know, what it's like to go out with, you know, go out with somebody and somebody that you love and have that relationship. Um, I really just want to grow a sweet, young man. Um, so anything I can do to model that behavior between my husband and I is so important. I, I love that. I, I love that because we're ultimately raising adults. We're just getting them at the beginning stages. By the time you're done, he will be an adult. So you have yeah. to train him, model that behavior for him and, and get him to the point where he can do all those wonderful things that you want him to do by the time he's an adult. Yeah. So he'll know how to treat a date. He'll know how yeah. to be with somebody out to dinner and how to treat them well and make them feel loved. Yeah. That, that's so important. It's really special. Very special. Yeah. So um, Sarah, do you, do you see a lot of um, things like that in, in your work of that kind of modeling or? I do. I definitely do. And, and it, it totally is dependent on the family. Um, sure. And, and what the needs of the family are and what the needs of the child is as well. Um, a lot of my discussions are, you know, with parents um, revolve around, you know, you, your role is to create the adult you want. So what does that look like? Um, I have, some families who, and this will this will be me, honestly, um, who want to model differently than they are. So I want to model how to grow, how to change. So for me, you know, when we asked because of that question, I had a couple things pop into mind. But one of mine is I tend to run a little bit more more anxious. Um, I grew up and things were scary and the world was scary. And so I have a lot of, I wouldn't say irrational fears, but like I get scared easily of things. I like, think motorcycles are going to kill me. I'm afraid of going fast. Like the first time I went jet skiing, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> like things like that. <laughs> so for some of my families, especially with, with parents who struggle internally with their own um, fears or their own feelings, their own big feelings, it's okay for you to have those. What legacy do you want to leave with your children? So for me, for example, my plan and whether or not I do, I can talk a bit, I can talk a big game. Can I execute my own advice? That's the other question. Um, is the best way to overcome things like fears, because that's, that's where my own being circles around, is to face them. So I want to demonstrate being in model 
being totally scared to do something like I'm terrified for the first roller coaster I'm going to have to go on. Like I'm <laughs> dreading this day where I have to ride a roller coaster, <laughs> but showing my, my daughter that it's okay to be scared that, but we're still going to do it even though it's scary. So even though I have this big fear, the only way to overcome it is to be, to be scared and to face that fear. So it's kind of lean are, into the fear. Yes. Yep. Cause fear only gets bigger if we ignore it. If we show it that it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. Well, ladies, I I just really enjoy these conversations. I want to thank you for being on um, the show. We're going to take a quick little break. We'll be back um, after a few messages. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can email me from that website. You can also um, go and register or subscribe, actually to uh, Executive Function Magazine. Please make sure that you go back in and confirm your email. Once you've received that particular email, then you will be confirmed and receive your digital copy. Um, It is quarterly, it is international, and it is free. So please make sure that you register for that. And we'll be back after this message. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fawzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executive function coach az.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. So, today we are talking to Mackenzie Douglas and Dr. Sarah Bald about modeling behavior, modeling appropriate behavior uh, for your kiddos. Um, and so, Earlier, we had talked a little bit about responding, and I don't know if you remember saying this, Mackenzie, but you you talked a little bit about responding versus not um, reacting. So, a lot of times, kids get very reactive, and you wanted to talk about maybe teaching Maddox how to respond appropriately to different situations. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Maybe we can... Sure. Yeah, I can kind of unpack that. Um, you know, I I think it's so important um, at a young age to really be able to kind of take a moment, like to learn how to take a moment before reacting to things. We kind of are on emotional autopilot sometimes. And so if something doesn't go our way or somebody doesn't give us, you know, what we need, you know, there's tendency to get mad quickly or, you know, get frustrated or, and I can see Maddox kind of starting to build the, like, understand that he gets his way quicker if he responds to things by crying or, you know, getting whiny or cranky. And um, 
I don't want him to develop a temper. I, I definitely want him to be able to like, you know, assess the situation and know he's okay. And um, so I know that I need to do that with myself too. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's hard to teach a 16 month old how to respond to certain situations when he can't talk yet. Um, and I'm trying to like help him realize that, you know, you have to have patience. It's like, how do you instill patience into a toddler? Um, it's not easy. Oh, you're on mute, Fazia. I, I said, you are doing that. You are doing exactly yeah. that. You're modeling that behavior for him. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, you know, it's like what I've been starting to do is I count to 10. So like if he's like getting fussy, I count to 10 and like try to like be calm and talk to him calm and take deep breaths. Um, but I you think count it's, out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I count out loud. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause he likes counting too. So I feel like it's kind of a distraction. Um, but yeah, I'm like trying to like get him to, to be a little less responsive. Um, you know, if something doesn't go his way right away. Yeah. I think we're, our connection we'll a little see bit. how that goes. Oh, okay. You're back. <laughs> yeah. Your connection, I think went out for just a second. Uh, what do you think, uh, oh, Sarah? Sorry about you that. You've been kind of quiet lately. <laughs> no, I love this. I, I like the discussion because I, I feel like, you know, I have got the reason. I've got the background, um, but it, it's all about that, that in the moment. And, you know, I love listening to, to moms discuss this and to see, because I can tell you all day what the research says, but to see it in the moment. Yeah. Well, Exactly. There's research and then there's, you know, practice. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, (laughs) that is is true. (laughs) Well, I'm sure Mackenzie can tell you that, you know, no matter how much you want to model certain behaviors, no matter how much you want to teach your child to, you know, respond and not react to things, you you can model it all day long, but it's going to take years to get to that point, you know, he's going to be like 22 years old before he grasps this fully, you know, for as, as intelligent as we are for human beings, we're kind of slow in certain areas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We definitely are. So, <laughs> well, in the brain, I'm, glad I'm not the only one that sees that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mackenzie, go ahead. I was just going to say in the brain fully is developed until mid twenties. So it's like, you know, you've got to have to kind of, have some grace and, and understanding that their brains are still developing and, and, yeah. you know, then they go through puberty and they're ruled by hormones. And then it's like everything that you've been trying to, you know, instill in them completely goes out the window because now Absolutely. they're just ruled by that. And then, you know, I don't know. So I think it's just, it's, easy, it's still but, hormones. You know, it's just totally think, changed. Yes. <laughs> They become completely different. They're just yeah. totally different. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, one of the things that I know, especially from, from my kids, is that, you know, all the I spent so many years just trying to be consistent and to model these behaviors that I wanted them to have over and over again. And it's only been like this past year um, that I feel like I, I finally am seeing the results of all that work you know, where my kids are actually doing all the things that I repeatedly modeled for them because I wasn't sure they were going to get it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I just wasn't sure they were going to get it. There's, there's a few years. um, Well, Emily will kill me for saying this, but when she was around 12, I wasn't quite sure she was going to make it past 12. (laughs) Her behavior (laughs) was not that great. So, you know, well, uh, definitely not much better though. Yeah, but that's good to remember and like kind of keep note. And like, I love that you said the consistency piece, like even though you're not seeing fruits of your labor it is so important to stay steady with what you, your hope is for the future, rather than just say, oh, I give up, you know, it's never going to stick. I think it's so important to remember, like, even when the times are tough, stay consistent, stay vigilant, because at some point, even if it might not be, you know, an instant result, you know, you're your your time and energy and putting in going into that will will pay off. 
Absolutely. And I feel like that, that's one of the hardest things to do. And that's something I see in my, in my practice a lot of, well, this isn't working or it worked for a little while and then it stopped working. I need to just give up. And it's like, no, that's when you power through it. If it's something that's worked in the past, yeah. it's going to work in the future. We might be at a yeah. growth spur. We might be at a point of boundary pushing. We, something else might be going on that we're not even aware of. Hormones might be going on, but you got to push through and stay consistent. And what I tell parents is things usually get worse before they get better. So you'll try something, it'll work for a couple days, and then it'll get really bad because we're starting to test boundaries or something else is going on. You got to stick with it, stay consistent. Well, absolutely. In yeah. fact, I, I've seen that in real time with my kids. It's, it's, they test those boundaries till you want to, your head wants to explode, and then they kind of back off. And they're like, okay, okay, <laughs> I don't want to kill you. I just wanted to make you very uncomfortable. <laughs> And then they back <laughs> off a little bit. <laughs> so that's really kind of yeah. how you feel when they're well, doing I, it. Oh, totally. Well, and I remember in another episode, we had talked about, you know, like parent timeouts, you know, and I've even yeah. sometimes when Maddox is just like really pushing it and he's just, you know, really trying to test the limits. I'm like, I'm just going to walk away. Mommy's taking a minute. And I just like walk around the corner and I come right back and I tell him I love him. And, you know, we, we move forward in our day, but it's still like having those, that time to step away um, and make sure that, you know, and modeling that too, I think it really helps them understand like if times are tough, you know, we can take a second apart um, and, you know, maybe reassess the situation and come back together and try to come up with a better solution. Absolutely. It's kind of like setting the, like pushing the reset button, you know, yeah. you've got this distraction, you walked away for a minute, and they're wondering where you're going, you come back and it's like you hit the reset button. Now you can move forward with something else. Yeah. And so, you know, you're, you're teaching them that it's okay to shift gears. It's okay to walk away for a second, mm-hmm. catch your breath. Yeah. You're modeling walking away, but then still writing the wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think about like modeling apologies? Like I know a lot of so important parents so don't always apologize. <laughs> yes. It's so hard, but not every parent feels like they should have to apologize. And I actually think it's a very important thing to model. I, I think kids need to know how to give an apology. We're, we're all going to make mistakes, but it's really important to teach them how to talk about a mistake that they've made, how to say, I'm sorry, and make it better so they can move forward in that relationship. Just because you've done something inappropriate or wrong doesn't mean the relationship has to end. Yeah. I think it's so important. I, I'm all about being aware of, you know, the things that you do and how you may have hurt somebody else's feelings or how your actions can um, affect somebody else. And I think it's so important to have ownership of your actions. Um, so that is one thing that I really, you know, when Maddox gets to the age where he's playing with other kids and, you know, if he does something, I think having the wherewithal to teach him to have a sincere apology and what that looks like and, and how, how to do that is something that I'll absolutely instill in him. I think it's also important for them to see it when it comes to adults. Like, you know, if you and your husband had an argument and something didn't yeah. go well in your day, it's, it's important for you to say, if, if you had some, you know, maybe said something that hurt his feelings, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry I said that, that wasn't, you know, what I meant to say, here's what I meant to say, or mm-hmm. somehow write that wrong. I, I think that's yeah. a really important skill to have because, you can also take that into the workplace and to your friendships and, and, and it takes, it, not only is it a difficult thing to do, but it takes years to learn how to really do it right, to do it right or to do it well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, yeah. So we've talked about quite a few things. Is there anything that you guys would like to talk about? Anything specific um, regarding modeling behavior specific to maybe self-talk or um, maybe um, how about boundaries and expectations? 
boundaries is very important. I have a, I, I have baby brains, so I might repeat myself across podcasts. So I apologize <laughs> if I'm a broken That's okay. at this point. Um, but modeling boundaries is very difficult. Setting boundaries is something that's very difficult. I've got a teen I work with. I adore her. But she, she totally gave me this metaphor. I can't take credit for it. She talks about how she, most people have two jars. So they've got a jar for their stuff, and they've got a jar for, like, other people's stuff. So when I listen to and I hear other people's stuff, it goes into the other person's jar, like the other, other stuff jar. And I can kind of, like, put it in there, seal it up, put it away. But then some people, especially empaths, kind of only have one jar. And I think that for boundaries, I've only got one jar. So all of your stuff comes into my jar, all of my stuff comes into my jar, and then eventually my jar is overflowing or it breaks. So it's how do you separate yourself from others? How do you set good boundaries? How do you say, this is me, this is who I am, this is my expectation, and this is what happens when you've crossed my boundary? So you're, you're the expert here. You tell us, how, how do you do it? It's so hard. <laughs> It is so hard. It is not easy. This is this is an area of development for everybody. Um, I think what's key is knowing what are my limits? What will I accept? What will I not accept? Um, where, where do I draw the line? Some people like imagery. So some people will build a wall. So I'm going to put certain people outside of my wall, allow certain people in my wall. Um, some people use like a one-way door, like I'll let you in when I decide it's time for you to come in and then I'll, I'll shut you out when it's time. Um, but I think knowing your expectations for people, how you want to be treated, and having good positive self-talk. This is what I feel about myself, so other people should treat me like this. Um, but then we get into the, well, that sounds very narcissistic and why would you ever suggest that? But it is, it's about here's what is acceptable, here's what I like about me, here's what Here's how I treat me so other people should treat me that way. Because how we let others treat us, when we think about modeling, our kids observe how others treat us and how we respond to how others treat us. Do we let people walk all over us? Are we aggressive when we don't get our way? Our kids are absorbing and picking up on all of this. Um, So having those firm boundaries is very important. And I think those relationships with even within a family, every everybody has a different relationship with everybody else in the family. So I think it's really important to have not only clear boundaries with everybody in the family, but make those expectations clear as well with everyone in the family. So as a mother, when you know the grandparents come over, maybe you know you have to, if you don't want your kids to have a lot of toys, maybe make that clear that. You know, they can't bring a gift every time they visit. Maybe a gift has to be special um, for special occasions or certain things like that. So it's really important to to set those clear boundaries, set those clear expectations with everybody in the family, even those that don't live in the home, because the kids are still seeing that. So you have to model those behaviors. Yeah, I think it's really important. So... um, we have about 10 minutes left in our, um, in our uh, session here. Um, what are some things, some last minute tips that you would give people, um, parents specifically, of what they can do, you know, to model appropriate behaviors? And what are some behaviors that you think are the most important to model? Well, one thing that I would say is that if things didn't go right one day, you always have the next day. Like sometimes, you know, you're going to, you wake up, you think your day is going to go one day and it completely gets derailed. And you maybe didn't respond to certain situations, how you would have liked to, or you got in a fight with your kids or your spouse or, you know, whatever that may be. Just because things didn't go right one day doesn't mean that you can't, you know, have a better day the next day and you can't right those wrongs the next day. I think it's so important to know that tomorrow's always a new day. Um, and you have to give yourself as the parent grace. Not every moment is going to be what, you know, textbook. It's not, you know, not every, not every, you know, time is going to be what you, how you hope it's going to go. And I think it's so important to 
know that there's always another opportunity to have a teachable moment um, or to, you know, right your wrongs or whatever that may look like. Um, you know, there's always a new day to start again. You're, you're almost, uh, well, not almost, you are also kind of leaning into talking about letting your child feel secure and making sure that they understand that even when you make a mistake, you're still part of this family. Even when you do something that I don't like, you're still part of this family so that you can feel secure, that your family is there for you regardless of how you behave. We may not like it or we may love it, but regardless, you're still part of this family. And I think that that feeling of security really helps model, um, you know, how they're going to behave in their families when they get older and have kids of their own. Mm-hmm. That's a really important skill to have is making people feel loved and wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I just think that for me, it's, it's really kind of going back to that positive, positive self-talk and positive um, conversation between, or that respect factor, like you had mentioned between like my husband and I definitely always want to make sure that we keep our relationship at the forefront. You know, Maddox is obviously our whole life, but I want to make sure that our relationship stays strong and secure because I think modeling a loving parental relationship is so important for kids to have that growing up. And, and my parents are still together. And, you know, I remember seeing them fight when we were young, but to me, fighting isn't scary now because I know that that happens and it's how you resolve those issues and, and come together as a loving couple and, and, and how you work through that as a couple and as a family. Um, whereas my husband's parents divorced when he was two. And so fighting always meant, you know, going to courts and, and having a lot of turmoil. And so when we fight now, I get over it. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. And where he is like, you know, thinks that things are, you know, are falling apart. And that's, you know, and it's just kind of interesting how that um, dynamic is from our childhood. So I definitely want to make sure that Maddox, you know, if there's any turmoil between my husband and I, and he sees that, that we do say, I love each other. And we say our apologies and everything so that he knows that, it is okay to have conflict. It's how you resolve it and move forward. Exactly. I, I think that's the real key is it's okay to have conflict because we're all going to have conflict. We can't always agree on everything. We can't always like everything okay. about somebody else, but resolving it, I think, is the, the most important part. Yeah. Because Do you agree with that? need to see conflict and they need to see how to have conflict with love. So I think about there's the four horse and the apocalypse. Am I going to rattle them off with baby brain right at this moment? No. (laughs) There are certain ways. There are certain ways we talk to our spouses and talk to our partners who that are not effective, that are damaging to the relationship. So how do you convey that you are upset or how do you stand up for yourself or how do you have an argument, but do it from a point of love instead of a point of contention? So, for example, using things like I statements, you know, I understood you say this. Is that accurate? When this happens, I feel not when not you did this, you did that. It's let me turn it on me. Let me turn this conflict on me without blaming yourself, without belittling yourself. But when this happened, I felt this way or I hear that you are feeling sad. I hear that you are mad about this. Is that right? Lots of checking in. Um, how to how to model conflict with love is hard, and it takes a lot of practice, and it's not easy, and it's easy to slip into our own ways and to blame the other person. Um, but but modeling conflict is really important for kids because they're going to have conflict. If we mm-hmm. pretend everything's hunky dory around them, they're going to be really uncomfortable around conflict, and they're going to avoid it at all costs. Absolutely. And then they're not going to resolve anything and life is going to be very stressful Mm -hmm. and nobody can tolerate that kind of a life. So at some point that relationship will suffer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? We've really covered a lot of territory in this past hour. I really appreciate you both being on the show today. And um, uh, before we go, um, uh, would you like to give out your information, uh, Dr. Sarah Bald? If you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Sarah Bald, what, what, what can you do? Absolutely. Um, you can visit my website. There's an email form on it. It's nest, N-E-S-T, psychaz.com. Um, or you can give my office call 602-284-4555. I'm more than happy to chat, to consult, to whatever you, however I can support. Yeah, and, and she really is awesome. So if you needed some direction, even if she's not the right person for you, she'll definitely um, get you on the right direction. Um, yeah. And yeah, so um, Mackenzie, would you like to give your information out like you did last time or would you like sure. to hold on that? Okay. No, thank that's you. all right. Um, my email address is K-E-N-Z-I-E-L-Y-N-N-E-9 at gmail.com. That's KenzieLynn9 at gmail.com. You're welcome to reach out with any questions or if you need any support in any sort of way, I'm always here to help. Thank you so much, ladies. If you um, enjoyed these uh, Parenting Pulse segments, I would love for you to go um, to iTunes, rate them, give them a five star. Uh, These women uh, give you valuable information for free, and I hope that they're very helpful. I want to introduce you to somebody that um, is very special. She is my new intern. Her name is Taryn Fox. She's absolutely fabulous. And I thought I'd do kind of a, a mini interview with her today. Um, just so that you all get to know her a little bit. She's going to be an intern on the radio show, the podcast, as well as Executive Function Magazine. And so welcome, Taryn. I would love to introduce you and get to know you a little bit better. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So, um, So Taryn, tell us a little bit about where you're going to school. I am attending Auburn University. I'm a senior in communication and English creative writing. Awesome. And when do you graduate? I will graduate in May of 2022. So that's coming up very, very soon, actually. So you're, you're at the tail end of your educational experience. What is it that you would like to do once you've graduated? I would really like to work in a publishing company, either for older children's books or for young adult novels. And If that doesn't pan out, I'm also very interested in writing political speeches for some sort of political organization. Wow. Those are very diverse interests, but yet they both have to do with writing, which is awesome, which is what you enjoy. So that's that's wonderful. Uh, What are some of the things that you enjoy doing in your spare time? No shock. I read a lot. (laughs) I'm constantly (laughs) reading. I play a lot of Mario video games. That's really been my go-to hobby recently. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your family. Do you have any siblings? I have an older brother and I have a younger sister and we are all exactly four years apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, what is your favorite holiday? I'm so excited that Halloween is right around the corner. I do love the spooky season. However, I am very partial to Christmas and all of the fun food and presents that comes along with that. Absolutely. Well, that sounds like fun. So um, what is something that you would like us to know about you that maybe we would be a little surprised? Like for me, most people are surprised that I am very artistic. I like to participate in things like photography. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually a pretty good painter. I've actually had commissioned pieces and I'm a potter. So what, do you, what is your special talent? I am addicted to reality TV and can almost quote every episode that I've ever seen. I don't know what it is about it. I love it. Awesome. So um, what are you hoping to get from your internship? What are you, what are you hoping to learn from, from, from me and from uh, this whole experience? I'm really interested in the actual content that's being posted by Executive Function as 
on Focus on Success and in the magazine as a mental health is something I'm very passionate about. My brother has autism. So that's something I've learned about all my life. And I think that the message that we're spreading here is very important. And then I also really want to learn the ins and outs of the industry for big or small businesses. I think that this is a great opportunity for me to learn about how magazines are published and how radio shows are run and what the behind the scenes looks like. Well, you're definitely getting to learn that. So I'm really excited for you. And I'm excited to help you learn that information because as a teacher, I get excited when somebody else is learning. So I want to thank you so much for allowing me to interview you today. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. And I hope that we will do this again sometime. Hopefully you can be on the air and, and help me interview a guest in the future. Absolutely. So thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you again. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, or if you'd like to ask questions about Taryn or ask questions of Taryn, feel free to email me at uh, Fozzie at executivefunctioncoachaz.com, or you can go on to our website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com, and you can find um, a way to connect with me there, or you can call me at 480-648-1122. And if you're interested in our uh, upcoming magazine, Executive Function Magazine, you can also go and subscribe to that on the website. It is online, it's digital, it's international, and it's free. Once again, the website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. So um, thank you again for listening. We will talk to you next time. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.